This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 134 for Thursday, April 5th, 2012. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter 2's Frets of Fury. You can download that at ocremix.org. The artist was Vertex Guy. The caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number 347-324-3541. If you want to call the MTR feedback line... 347-815-0687, 347-8150-MTR. All right, let's get right into this housekeeping because there's a couple of things we need to discuss. Obviously, unless you're Stevie Wonder, MyTakeRadio.com 4.0 is officially launched. I'd like to acknowledge the hard work of Erica Dion who built the new site for us. She actually uh, what came through via Elance. Definitely, if you want somebody to do uh, kick-ass WordPress work for you, custom work, let me know. I'll pass on her information. Um, great work. MTR 4.0. There's, we're still working out a couple of little bugs here and there, some Twitter stuff, everything else. But advertising is on point. The new review system is on point. We got everything running almost at at optimal capacity. There's a couple of things that need to get fixed, but... Overall, I'm very happy with the site. A lot of people have been giving us tons of positive feedback. I'm very happy about that. I think that the work that went into it was just a, a culmination of working out a lot of bugs. And we got a lot of new MTR staff members that are making full use of the new features that the site has. So uh, props to Erica for making a kick-ass site for us. And, of course, to the MTR staff for embracing it so quickly and making it work so well. Um, also... We got PAX East this weekend. Unfortunately, MTR couldn't be there live, but our partners from Unveil are there representing. They got some MTR stuff out in full effect. MTR flyers, which we sent out, uh, created by Blaine from Born Stubborn Radio, did a great job on the flyers. If you guys have been on the Facebook fan page, you guys can check that out as well and check out the flyers for PAX East. Very happy about that. I didn't go to PAX East for a couple of reasons. And part of it I'm going to discuss in the monologue for this week because it's been a very rough day. And usually when I have a shitty day, it makes for better radio. I guess you guys take take enjoyment out of my suffering. Let's put it that way. But overall, three reasons why MTR is not at PAX East. Number one, timing completely fucking terrible. Easter weekend, too much shit going on. Wasn't going to happen. Number two. If I want to grow my brand, I'm not going to do it getting shit-faced and kissing vendors' asses. It's not how we're going to do it. Those of you that are out there hustling on the grind, do your thing. Props to you for doing it. Unveil is there doing it the right way, building their brand, promoting their product, all the sponsored 
uh, pro gamers that they got are out there representing. That's how you do it. You get shit faced after you work. But whatever, I'm not going to pass judgment, but that's just not our scene. Maybe next year we'll do it. Who the fuck knows? It's not going to affect how we do things here, but that's what's going on this weekend. PAX East, Unveil is there. If you're in Boston and you're checking out the show, make sure to check out their booth. Grab an MTR flyer, scan the QR code. You can check out the new MTR 4.0 by scanning the QR code with your mobile device. So be ready for that as well. Um, T-shirts, we actually came up with a, a cool concept myself and Quark and Blade regarding a buried shirt. So you may be seeing that as well uh, as well as our uh, special MTR shirt, which I'm not going to give away on air. You guys are just going to have to go to the store one day and you'll see what the deal is with that. All that stuff hopefully will launch by the end of the month. Simple as that. Stitcher, we got great feedback from Stitcher. Those of you that are getting the show via the Stitcher app, please, please, please do not use the shitty Blog Talk Radio feed. If you want audio diarrhea, listen to the Blog Talk Radio feed because it is complete shit. If you want 96K stereo, that's awesome, completely edited, as well as some of our exclusive content, make sure you use the regular My Take Radio feed. We have not got it fixed yet, but I know that a lot of people are listening to the BTR feed and, le- and asking me what the deal is with my audio. It is shit. Save yourselves that aggravation. Also, Get Glue, we added the check-in button on MyTakeRadio.com. If you're a Get Glue user, please continue using the service to check in. It's always nice to see a lot of people supporting us via Get Glue, even though they don't want to give us stickers. I, I could be a little bitter about it, but fuck it. It is what it is. I don't need a sticker to sell my brand. Simple as that. MTR Beyond the Mic and Behind the Mic will be returning within the next few weeks with a ton of new guests that we're going to interview. We're also going to start doing um, either a 10 or a 20 question segment with different people that we're going to post on the site. Um, we're going to work on that as well. Uh, to answer Quark's question in the chat, uh, we are using Blog Talk Radio now, but usually when the show gets archived, it gets shrunk to like the shittiest quality ever. And for some reason, people that use the RSS feed are complaining about audio quality via Stitcher. So yeah, we are using Blog Talk Radio now for the live component, but this is basically for the shows that are already archive that sound completely like shit so that should answer that question next thing um well no i think that's it actually i thought i had something else to discuss but my notes seem to have wrapped everything oh of course new articles from all our staff quark and blades buried dk's review of resident evil operation raccoon city slick has been putting in Tons of work regarding Thundercats. I know he's got some stuff coming from Archer. We also went to review Wrath of the Titans, which you can see the review on the site, which I'm going to just use that as my segue into this week's monologue. Uh, Wrath of the Titans. If you haven't seen it, it's I can't tell you to go and spend $20 to sit in a fucking theater because it's it's not worth it. I'm sorry, it's not. That's how we reviewed it. Slick reviewed it the same way. The, regardless of the fact that I wanted to kill the people in the theater and Fat Hagrid and all that other shit, it just it wasn't enjoyable because the plot was so paper thin. I think a, a two-year-old's flip book had a better plot than Wrath of the Titans. 
The special effects were fantastic. That we know. But the acting, piss poor. Slick elaborated on it more so than I did in our review. But save your money. If you want to see it, cable, DVD if, for 10 bucks, but not fucking $20 IMAX 100-foot screen money. Absolutely not. Watch that shit at home. I'm sorry. That's the that's the brutally honest truth about it. But um, the thing I wanted to talk about this week before I get into all our regular shit is pet peeves. Now, we all have them. Some people more than others. Some people handle them differently. Um, without going too much into detail, I'm supposed to go to a wedding tomorrow with my wife who's in this wedding and, um, people just don't respect other people's time. Either they're late or you tell them to be there at a certain time and they show up 20 minutes later, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Fact of the matter is if you tell me that, or if I tell you, I need you at a place a certain time and you are not there, either you better have had a flat, your dog got ran over or you had a death in the family, or something legitimate. If you were late for the sake of being late, I really just would like dog shit to fall on you. Not even for you to step in it, just for it to fall on you from the sky. There's nothing I hate more but fucking lateness. Seriously, if you're going to be somewhere, be there on time. I hate lateness. Slick can vouch for this. Slick is my boy. He knows I I, I can't do it. I have a, a shitty disposition when it comes to, to lateness. So that was the irritation of today, which is going to actually bleed into tonight's show because I'm in, I'm just in no mood for that shit. So lateness, if you're late, go fuck yourself. If you don't apologize, go fuck yourself. If you think you're entitled to be late, you're an asshole. Simple as that. If you can't take other people's um, thoughts and, and feelings into consideration, you are a piece of shit. Not a regular dignified piece of shit like we talked about yesterday. I mean, uh, last week. But a real piece of shit. Like, dog shit. Anyway. Here's what we're gonna talk about. We got WrestleMania. WWE Raw. We have a little bit of the Ultimate Fighter, which I'm not... I had a talk with a couple of people, including some of our staff, about it. I'm not going to, I'm going to try my hardest not to recap shit anymore. Not going to do it. Everybody can go out there and read the results of the shit. I'm just going to talk about the fights, what I thought about it, and move the fuck on. I'm not going to go into these long diatribes. It drags the fucking segment out. People tune out because they have short fucking attention spans, and it just, it doesn't do anything for the segment. So it's going to move a little fast and a little faster than usual this week. We got some what-the-fuck movie news. There are quite a few of them. Um, we may have Steve from Unveil call in from PAX East. We'll see what the deal is. I know he's been running around like a chicken without a head. If he does, great. If he doesn't, whatever. It's all the same. But with that said, I'm not going to beat this shit up anymore. Let's get right into the MMA segment. If I can get my audio drop, which would be oh so great to play right now, we can make this shit work. Let's do it.
All right, the U.S. Ultimate Fighter, Team Cruz versus Team Faber. The bout for the evening was Miles Jury representing Team Cruz. Al Iaquinta from New York representing Team Faber. Uh, very good competitive fight from start to finish. I really, one of the few times, did not want a fight to end and actually got my wish. Um, very good first round for Jury. Uh, he looked decent in the second round. I think Iakinta was more aggressive in certain aspects of the fight. But it turns out that we did not get a decision. We ended up going to a third round, a sudden victory round, which Iakinta took. As a result, he ended up securing the victory via split decision. Now, a couple of things went were a little strange with this particular episode. Number one, there was a long-ass commercial break, which Dana White bitched about. Um, which really hampered the live broadcast because obviously if you're on a commercial break between rounds and your break goes longer than the allotted time, these guys are going to be fresh and ready to go more so than usual. I think that definitely played a factor and hopefully they'll get that settled going into future episodes because things like that, they play a big part. That extra one or two minute break that you get is is crucial if you're if you're on the verge of losing a fight. So I think that was definitely a factor. Great performance by Iaquinta. Now we have um, first loss for Team Cruz against two losses on Team Faber. We'll see what the deal is next week, but next week is going to be Mike Chesa taking on Jeremy Larson. So that's going to be next week's fight. Going into the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, um, really looking forward to, to these particular fights only because a lot of people have said that this season was probably one of the most aggressive and most violent seasons. I don't know if that really holds any merit as of yet, but we got an appearance by Jose Aldo for the fight. It was um, Wagner Campos. He was taking on uh, Godofredo Pepe de Oliveira, and um, Pepe ended up taking the victory via decision. Uh, It was... I don't want to say it was a sloppy fight. I just felt that for it being one of the first fights after seeing the amazing fights for people to get into the house, I think guys were playing it a little safe, trying to make sure that they didn't get injured, which is fine, but it definitely showed in the presentation only because you can see they were fighting a lot safer than I would have liked. Overall, still solid performance. I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the other fights from this season, if you want to check it out, just look for, um, I believe it's Tough Online, and you'll be able to watch the Ultimate Fighter Brazil online. I think it's going to be a season that should have been on broadcast television, even if, it would have, if, even if you would have done it right after the Ultimate Fighter Live. But hey, you you get it where you can, just make sure to check it out online. Coaches Vitor Belfort, Vanderlei Silver are going to meet, um, I believe... Shit, is it 146, 147? I got to check my notes, but that fight's going to be amazing. Let's get right into the MMA news for this week. A couple of things went down. Of course, the biggest regarding Alistair Overeem, we're going to discuss that. But um, let's go through the other news first. UFC on FX4 is coming together. That's going to be June 22nd in in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Uh, So far, most of the fights that have been confirmed are Clay Guida, Gray Maynard, which is probably going to be your main event, Ebersol, Waldberger, Jim Hetz, Steven Seiler, Ricardo Funch taking on Dan Miller. That's going to be an awesome fight. Rich Antonito taking on Rick Story. Luis Ramos is taking on Matt Riddle. 
Chris Camozzi is taking on Chris Catone, and Ross Pearson and Cub Swanson are going to meet as well. So are CJ Keith and Ramsey Najem. That's going to be June 22nd in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Now, the UFC 148 card, which is going to be in July, has a couple of things going on. Number one, you got your Cruz Faber coaches fight for the um, for the championship. Rich Franklin's taking on Kung Lee. Forrest Griffin is taking on Tito Ortiz in Tito's last fight with the UFC. Bisping, Tim Bocek, Henan Barrow is taking on Ivan Menjivar. Fabricio Camoz is taking on Melvin Gallard. Um, Khabib Nurat, uh, I'm going to fuck up this guy's long-ass name, but he's taking on Gleason Tebow. Dong Young Kim is taking on Damian Maya, and Ricky Fakuda is taking on Konstantinos Filippou. Now, this particular card, like I said, Dominic Cruz, Uriah Faber is going to be an amazing, amazing fight. Uh, Rich Franklin, Kung Lee, very interesting. I think somebody's definitely going to get fired if they fucking lose. Simple as that. I honestly, and I'm sorry to say it, not even because Kung Lee was a guest on the show, but Rich Franklin hasn't done shit lately, so fuck him. I, I'd cut his ass if he lost. I think Kung Lee, he has mainstream appeal. Uh, he has an exciting fighting style. Rich Franklin, every time he fights, it's like fucking taking a sleeping pill. I don't think I can do it, sit through one of his fights, but who knows, we'll see what he brings for UFC 148. Tito and Forrest, regardless regardless of how it goes, Tito's retiring, but I think they're going to go out and give an amazing performance. I think Tito Ortiz has a lot to offer the sport. Maybe we can see him in color commentary as an analyst, something. I think he has a great future for that. He's a fantastic ambassador for the sport. He knows the sport well. Forrest, I think Forrest is really getting tired of fighting. I don't know. He seems to be approaching fighting with not the same hunger he did when he first came in, which, you know, I'm a little bummed about. But I like Forrest. Forrest, he's written two funny-ass books. I own both of them. And I think he has the makings of a good author down the road just to put out a couple of humorous books talking about the sport or even his life in general, which is just as interesting. Bellator 64 coming at you this week. Ben Askren will be defending his welterweight title against Douglas Lima in the main event. I know that Ben was super pumped for that fight. Also, Alexandre Bezerra is taking on Marlon Sandro. I'm a big Marlon Sandro fan, so I'm looking forward to seeing him put an ass whooping on Bezerra. Travis Marks is taking on Masakatsu Ueda, and then Rodrigo Lima is taking on Hiroshi Nakamura. Actually, that's not this weekend. Excuse me, that's April 6th in Ontario, Canada, and it's going to be airing on MTV2, and the prelims you'll be able to catch on Spike.com. So, that actually, actually, I fucked up. Yeah, April 6th is tomorrow. What the hell is wrong with my ass? Anyway, Marlon Sandro, going to definitely want to see his fight, and Ben Askren, the sleeping pill, taking on Douglas Lima. There is no guy that's more hated right now than Ben Askren, because... He is a fucking dullard. I'd ra- I'd rather watch cats fight in a steel cage than watch him fight. All he does is use smother and cover wrestling, which is great, but he doesn't really evolve further than that. He just uses the smother and cover, and that's how he wins his fights and has retained his belt. Honestly, I'm not a big fan. Shit's not exciting, so fuck it. I hope he loses. We got the... UFC special with Rashad Evans um, and John Bones Jones. That's the primetime special, which will be airing this Friday, tomorrow, 
at 11 o'clock. Next episode will be April 13th and then another episode April 20th. Replays for that are also going to be on Fuel TV. And this is the buildup for UFC 145, which is April 21st. On that card, John Jones, Rashad Evans, Rory McDonald's, Che Mills, Ben Rothwell, Brendan Schaub, Michael McDonald, and Miguel Torres, which is going to be an awesome fight. Mark Bocek and Matt Wyman, Mark Hominick, and Eddie Yagen are your pay-per-view portion of the card. On FX, Travis Brown, Chad Griggs, Matt Brown is taking on Stephen Thompson, John McDessey is taking on Anthony and Joquani, and then you got the prelims, which may be on Facebook, hasn't been officially announced yet. Mac Danzig, Efren Escudero, uh, Chris Clements taking on uh, Keith Wisniewski, and Maximo Blanco is taking on Marcus Brimage, which I'm shocked is not going to be a prelim fight on FX because Maximo Blanco is awesome, but fuck it. Going to have to watch that shit on Facebook. Gilbert Melendez will be putting his belt up against Josh Thompson for the Strike Force Barnett Cormier card, which should be happening. May 19th in San Jose, California. Also, we got a non-title light heavyweight matchup between uh, Rafael Cavalcante and Mike Kyle. That's also going to be happening, and all of that will be broadcast on Showtime. Prelims will be on Showtime Extreme. Now, of course, the big news this week, Alistair Overeem tested positive for elevated testosterone. Uh, The Nevada State Athletic Commission actually did a surprise drug test Uh, This past Tuesday after the UFC 146 press conference, according to what they've said, Alistair Overeem's a sample was flagged for elevated testosterone ratios, which exceeded 10 to one. I believe it's 14 to one. The Nevada State Athletic Commission allows a ratio of six to one with regards to testosterone limits. Overeem has the right to request a test for the B sample, which if negative would make him eligible to receive a fight license. As of right now, this puts the main event in jeopardy. A lot of people are saying Frank Mir may step up and fight Junior Dos Santos for the belt. Uh, some people would like to see Kane get in there. Then you have, um, you know, Roy Nelson, Antonio Silva were tested. Those guys, they they were obviously clean because I sincerely doubt that Roy Nelson does any kind of fucking steroids. Simple as that. Overeem originally was granted a conditional license to fight Brock Lesnar at UFC 141 after missing his his pre-fight drug test for that particular fight. As of right now, if he appeals it and his B sample is negative, he'll be good to go. Otherwise, he will be suspended. So, serious fucking business here. Um, I'm not going to go and pass judgment on Alistair Overeem whether he has elevated testosterone levels due to um, testosterone replacement therapy, or maybe he's been taking growth hormone. Who the fuck knows? I mean, the the guy's chiseled out of fucking granite. But if you if you used any performance enhancers, it's it's not going to help your case. So we'll see how it pans out. Regardless of whether he pissed clean or he didn't piss clean, I'm an Overeem fan. I've followed his career from Japan all the way here. Shit happens. People people get caught up in the hype. It is what it is. Dana White, of course, is super pissed off, especially because he felt that Alistair Overeem lied to him when they had the UFC meetings regarding him making sure to be clean for every drug test. Dana White felt that he was lied to because of that. I think that once the B test comes in, we'll know what the deal is. If the B test is fine, then I'm sure this will get swept under the rug. But 
regardless of the fact 10, 14 to 1 is the ratio, and that's significantly high. I think at that point, it poses a question of, has he been using performance enhancers for any of his fights, and how has he been getting away with it thus far? It's going to be really interesting. I feel I feel bad that um, you know it's come it's jeopardized the main event. And I gotta shout out what Blade said in the chat that Dana White takes everything so personal. He really does. Sometimes you just gotta be a businessman and acknowledge it for what it is. Hey, our fighters fucked up. It happens, but let's wait for the results to come out there and be like, oh, he fucking lied to us. You know, how fucking stupid do you have to be? Anybody who's using drugs at this point is a fucking moron. These were his words verbatim. I think, um, oh yeah, Blade had a very valid statement in the chat, which is, I'm going to kill you if you stream our fights, which is true. I think Dana White take, is very passionate about the sport, and, and that's great, and, and I respect and admire him for it. But he's getting bent out of shape without all the facts being in. If he pissed hot... All right, you know, we'll see what happens with the B sample. If the B sample is clean, then, you know, all that bravado and you going crazy is just going to make you look stupid. If if it's bad, then handle it accordingly. Simple as that. When asked about Overeem's UFC future, he pretty much said it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. But you know what? If he cuts Overeem, there are, there are plenty of organizations that would take him, including Bellator, at the drop of a hat, so... Think about that before you make that type of a decision. Frankly, at this point, and me and Ben talked about this on the Facebook fan page, I figure Mir, Junior Dos Santos, in case Overeem is out, sign Fedor, Fedor, Cain Velasquez, super buy rate, Fedor in the UFC, everybody gets paid, simple as that. Will Fedor beat Cain? Who knows? But then again, Cain Velasquez did get his head separated from his fucking consciousness by Junior Dos Santos, so Fedor does have heavy hands if that were to go down. But, wishful thinking on my part. As of right now, Overeem's camp stated that the the, the B test has to be tested by an independent lab, and they really need to get on that soon because the integrity of the test can get damaged because the sample can degrade. So, we'll see what happens. Like I said, the Nevada State Athletic Commission is looking for a 6 to 1 ratio which is 50% higher than what the World Anti-Doping Agency um, has, which is 4 to 1. So we'll see what the deal is with that. It's going to be a real interesting time for the UFC, especially if this goes the way it goes. But what can you do? I really would like to see Overeem fight. He's a great athlete, and I think that the fight with him and Junior Dos Santos would be fucking sick. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up the MMA segment for this week. We're going to jump right into wrestling right after these commercial messages. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality... And uh, void of fake laughter. Video game news radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga!
right. I see in the chat people are asking about us getting new commercials. Before I get into the wrestling segment, I will elaborate on the whole commercial situation. Kevin, Don from Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Born Stubborn Radio, those are all friends of the show. Their commercials get played. They support us in numerous ways. And I've actually been after them to get new commercials, so don't judge me. On the flip side, anybody that wants their commercials played that I don't fucking know has to pay. Simple as that. No more fucking freebies here. You want your commercial played on MTR when we get, you know, a thousand downloads a month, then head over to the advertising section of the site or email me directly if you want a commercial played on the show. Simple as that. Now, let's talk some wrestling. First off, let's talk WrestleMania 28, which Quark and Blade buried in so many ways. First off, I want to go through the card, share a couple of thoughts with you guys. Uh, There was a non-televised match, which was the Triple Threat Tag Team Match. Uh, The Goya Brothers with uh, terrible Spanish-speaking Rosa Mendez taking on... Rock Juniors, The Usos, and Justin Gabriel and Tyson Kidd. This was a match that, with the athletes involved, should have been on a pay-per-view. I have a simple rule when it comes to wrestling pay-per-views. If you have all these titles, they should all be defended on pay-per-view. I don't need Maria Menounos on my fucking screen getting a roll-up victory on Beth Phoenix when we can have titles being defended. What happened to the IC belt? I mean, no, the IC belt got defended, the US title. Did that shit get defended? No. If you have belts and you have pay-per-views, they should be defended. Period. The worst part, in my opinion, about this entire thing is that all of these guys are solid wrestlers. Because even the Goya brothers, I clown them and I break balls, but they wrestle really well. Tyson Kidd also. Justin Gabriel, depend on who he's wrestling. And the Usos are solid. The uh, the Goya brothers retain the belts. Uh, Epico caught Jimmy Uso with the backstabber. And like I said, it's it's just a travesty that in the biggest stage, you can't defend all your championships because you have to have... Your, your concert, your music break, this lame segment, some celebrity kiss-ass segment. It's complete horseshit. The Goya Brothers, the Samoan Mafia, and the African and the Canadian should have been on fucking pay-per-view. Simple as that. And let's not even talk about Daniel Bryan getting buried by Sheamus. Buried. Getting that, getting that 18-second victory, which everybody's like, oh yeah, they were trying to break a record. That's fine. You know, why don't you break a record on a pay-per-view that I didn't pay $60 for? Daniel Bryan deserved better than that. Simple as that. Not only that, but you just made your your champion, your well, your championship nothing. I think that if I went and bought a belt in Toys R Us and wore it around my waist, it would have better and more significance than the belt that was defended at WrestleMania. That shit is embarrassing. Yeah, sure. Sheamus got his WrestleMania moment. Daniel Bryan got his catchphrase chanted all over the place, but they just made him look like shit. Vince, I understand 
that you fucking jerk off to all the big guys that are in your organization. I understand that they got to look like bodybuilders and and they got to be over 5'9". But you know what? Guys like Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Chris Jericho. I can go down the list. Tyson Kidd, The Usos, uh, Dolph Ziggler, Jack Swagger. Regardless of whether we like them or we don't, they don't represent the ideal that you hold as the standard. But these guys go out there and fucking wrestle. They wrestle. It's disgusting to me that you would bury Daniel Bryan like that. A guy who's probably one of your best natural athletes who can... Yeah, sure, his promos may be boring. But right right at this point, jobbing him out the way you did, in my opinion, doesn't do him any favors. I got a couple of people that said to me, oh, well, you know, it was no big deal because, you know, that match is bullshit anyway, but why not let the match happen? I'd rather a five-minute match that ends in a, in a quick victory than just disrespecting your champion. It's fucking stupid. Vince McMahon is a cocksucker for doing that shit. That's right, I said it. Fuck him. Burying Daniel Bryan was fucking horse shit. But that's okay because we ended up getting a 10-minute snooze fest with Blandy Borton and fucking Kane, which I was shocked won the match because, you know, I guess they're trying to build up Kane as the next Undertaker being undefeated at WrestleManias because when the fuck would anybody have thought that Kane was going to win a match at WrestleMania? Kane is everybody's bitch. He is a six foot five bitch. And I'm not even saying it because he's corny. I'm just saying it because everybody whoops Kane's ass. Everybody. I can tag in my sister. And she'll whoop Kane's ass. And it'll look more believable than anything he's ever done. It's embarrassing. It really is. And then you give that match 10 fucking minutes? Really? Get the fuck out of here. And then another throwaway garbage match. Cody Rhodes, who is another guy who is the future of your company, really is. Regardless of the fact that he has fucking like 17 tongues in his head. Why give the Big Show another belt? To make him a Grand Slam champion? Nobody cares. When the Big Show's music hits, it's time to go take a shit. He sucks. I don't understand why they kiss the Big Show's ass so much and not a guy like Mark Henry. Mark Henry's a better athlete than the Big Show. I'm sorry, he is. Regardless of the fact that Mark Henry looks like fucking Precious... He can go out there and he moves well for a guy his size. He looks like he he can legitimately kill you. When the Big Show loses to guys like Rey Mysterio and 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 small guys like that, it 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 doesn't make him look better. And then for him to come out there and just whoop Cody Rhodes' ass once again, just just not the move. And then of course we get our Divas tag team match because you know you can't defend one of your titles and you had. The extra correspondent, Kelly Kelly, Eve Torres, and Beth Phoenix. And what do you do? You make your champion eat the pinfall from a chick who doesn't even wrestle. Once again, devaluing your champions and your belts. Why couldn't Eve Torres get the pin? Why couldn't Maria Menounos pin Eve Torres? Nobody gives a fuck about Eve. If she would have lost, nobody would care. It's bullshit. But no, let's job out our champion because, you know, we don't want to damage precious Eve Torres. Get out of here with that shit. Our Hell in the Cell match. Undertaker with his crew cut number one, which he didn't even get a good shape up for, 
against Triple H, who looked like he did three cycles before the main event because he was ginormous, and Shawn Michaels' new hairline. Undertaker came out looking like Super Shredder from the Ninja Turtles, ready to whoop some ass. These guys beat the fuck out of each other, and I have to say it was probably one of the one of the high points of this card, if not the highest point. You can see that there was genuine emotion there. Shawn Michaels' involvement was to be expected. There was a lot of moments where they teased a couple of things. You never know. They could be building up maybe a Triple H and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. It, it could go that route. I think that the storytelling in that match was fantastic. The bumps that these guys took, the chair shots that were delivered were ridiculous. And the way it ended with all three guys just walking out together was was the right way to do it. I just think that the booking and the way the match was done was just was just very, very impressive. So props to them, all three guys, for delivering in that match. The Undertaker fucking, I'm surprised he didn't break his hip in that match because he took an ass whooping, but it was good. I, I really appreciated the quality of that match. Then we had Team Johnny versus Team Teddy. I'm not even going to recap this bullshit. All I'm going to say is that Zack Ryder got made to look like a bitch by Eve Torres in this match. Complete bullshit. We knew John Laurinaitis was going to win. But to bitch out, again, a guy who is bringing in revenue and is a fan favorite. Why Why didn't they have Eve, you know, trip R-Truth or fucking Kofi Kingston? Why do you got to continue to bury Zack Ryder? Which is something I'm going to talk more about in the Raw segment. Our championship match, CM Punk, Chris Jericho, another magnificent match great wrestling a lot of old school mentality was put into that match there were amazing amazing moments back and forth a lot of near pins cm punk secured the victory with the anaconda vice fantastic then we get a funkasaurus at wrestlemania with 17 old women i guess they there was a tyler perry convention in town because all them old ladies look like somebody tyler perry would dress up as and of course, the once-in-a-lifetime match with John Cena and The Rock was, I don't want to say it was amazing, because it wasn't. I think that what made the match so good was the energy from the crowd. The crowd was really into it. There were a couple of moments in that match that were a little suspect. I, I appreciated John Cena mimicking The Rock and, and them doing each other's signature moves. That's always cool, but... For what it was, I think that The Rock is a good wrestler, but not a wrestler that can make another wrestler look good. And John Cena, since he has his fucking five moves of doom, he couldn't make The Rock look good in this match either. But I think the energy, the hype, the story that went into it was what made the match more appealing than it really was. It was enjoyable, I liked it, but if I had to go down a list and say who had the better matches, CM Punk and Jericho... And definitely the Hell in the Cell match were the high points of the entire card. Rock and Cena, from a historical standpoint, from a emotionally invested standpoint, definitely delivered. But in terms of wrestling quality, eh, not so much. Now let's get into Raw for this week. Raw opens up, The Rock comes out, cuts himself a nice little promo. Um... The, the worst part of his promo was the fact that he pretty much came out and said, you know, I'm going to challenge for the belt. Not now, but down the road, which in WWE storytelling terms means by next WrestleMania. 
So you have your part-time guy, which is fine. You know, I mean, supposedly WrestleMania did 1.9 million buys. You got your number one guy coming in there and getting jobbed out to a part-time guy. And then your part-time guy says, oh, I'm going to come back and win the belt. (sighs) The logic in that escapes me. Of course, John Laurinaitis talking about that he is now the official GM. CM Punk calls him a toolbox. I enjoyed that. It was amusing. First match of the night, United States Championship match, Santino, uh, Mr. Ziggles, and Jack Swagger. Pretty much almost a glorified squash match. Santino um, stole the victory just because of a couple of things that went on a little bit of shenanigans. But... Looks like they're keeping the belt on Santino a little while longer, which is fine in my book. No sweat. Of course, Santino got jumped. Brodus Clay came out and used an atomic headbutt and pretty much killed Dolph Ziggler dead. I think Dolph Ziggler has some of the best sells in the WWE. Whenever he gets hit by somebody's signature move, he sells it like he got fucking shot. It was it was a really great sell on his part. It made Brodus Clay look like somewhat of a badass. And... Um, Where Brodus Clay goes from here, maybe they'll make a tag team with him and Santino, which from a comedic standpoint would be good, but unless you put them in some sort of a tag team championship scenario, it's not going to mean shit. Next up, we had our debut of Lord Tensai, a.k.a. Prince Albert, a.k.a. A-Train, a.k.a. formerly Fat Hairy Guy with bad Asian tattoos. He came out dressed like Quang, which was... um, a gimmick that Savio Vega did where he was dressed up like a ninja. Pretty much that's how Lord Tensai came out with uh, his servant, Sakamoto. And he came out and pretty much killed Alex Riley dead. So any future Alex Riley had in this organization at this point was just put in complete doubt from that ass whooping that Albert gave him. I'm not call- calling him Lord Tensai or whatever the fuck. It's Albert. It's Matt Bloom. Matt Bloom whooped Alex Riley's ass. Next up, we had a championship match with CM Punk and Mark Henry, which was surprisingly good. I was very impressed with that match. A lot of great psychology. Um, Mark Henry did win due to a countout, but it was it was great psychology, excellent storytelling. Once again, adding complete validation to what I said that Mark Henry is a better big athlete than the Big Show. Simple as that. Next up, we continued the feud with Punk and Jericho. Punk came out and hit... uh, Actually, uh, Jericho came out and hit Punk with the fakest bottle of alcohol I've ever seen, considering that he went behind the announcer's table or the ringkeeper's table and got two bottles of alcohol. I didn't know motherfuckers drank so much during Raw. But you know what? With some of the matches we've seen, I wouldn't even doubt it. He proceeded to bust the bottles over CM Punk's head, which was... uh, a great bit of storytelling to stretch out that feud. I bet you we'll probably get at least two more matches out of those guys, probably at extreme rules and over the limit. If they drag it out a little longer than that, I'll be surprised only because I think Jericho will be touring with his band later on in the year. So where that goes, who knows? But I think that we can probably get two four-star matches out of these guys easy. Sheamus comes out to gloat about his belt. Fucking Ricardo Maltonban and fucking his his Pepe Le Pew, Speedy Gonzalez, uh, Toad Face Killer, a ring announcer come out with him. They talk some shit. 
You know, Seamus, it is my destiny to have the belt. It is your destiny to be in a soap opera on Telemundo. That is your destiny. You are a fucking tool. Alberto Del Rio's gimmick is shit. Anybody that tells me his gimmick is good, it's one part Rick Martel, one part Mr. Rourke from Fantasy Island, and a little bit, a little bit of Eddie Guerrero in there. Not too much, but a smidgen. More Rick Martel and Fantasy Island, but definitely just stereotypical, and and I'm going to say stereotypical Latin behavior. Once again, hiding behind those racial overcoats. And Ricardo Rodriguez is so much more than a ring announcer. Why they continue to just only leave him in this role boggles my mind. The guy, he's a solid wrestler. He wrestles usually under a mask. He's known as Chimera. I think you could do a tag team with him and um this guy, him and soap opera guy. And it would probably be great for the tag division. But no, he's got to come out with his fucking toad face killer and do his ring announcing and just stand there and catch all the ass whoopings that Del Rio can't get. I don't know. Cody Rhodes, Kofi Kingston, the the burial of Cody Rhodes continues. I don't know. Maybe he didn't let Pat Patterson grab his balls, but they just he got buried in this match. Next up, Miz, Zack Ryder. Once again, Zack Ryder, he helped the Miz break his losing streak. So let's just take a big pile of shit and dump it on Zack Ryder. Even though the guy has thousands of kids wearing the wigs, the broski headbands, the, the, the broski t-shirts. Yeah, we just throw that out the window and give a victory to a guy who, for all intents and purposes, was in the doghouse. Ah, WWE booking at its best. John Cena comes out to close things up. With his promo acknowledging that he lost and he failed and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he'll never let you down and this, that, and the third. And, of course, those magical chords hit. And who comes out? Brock Lesnar, who conveniently welcomes himself back into the WWE with an F5 on John Cena to close things out. Of course, um, Lawler, Michael Cole were selling it like it was the greatest thing ever. I mean, it was cool. And, and the crowd, one of the things that made this Raw a special one was just the the crowd was electric the entire night from yes chance to chanting for Brock Lesnar when Cena cut his promo people were on Twitter talking about oh Brock Lesnar looks fat Brock Lesnar looks out of shape and I wanted to go into that a little bit for for a couple of reasons if you don't fight professionally you have no idea what weight cutting does to you and the fact is that Brock Lesnar walked around usually between 280 to 290 pounds, and he would diet down to 265 to make weight. Shortly after he had diverticulitis, he lost a lot of muscle mass. He went back in the gym for his fight with Overeem. He looked in tremendous condition, great shape. Now, obviously, after losing to Overeem, he probably went home, spent some time with his kids, had sex with Sable drank a couple of Bud Lights, he hung out, Vince McMahon calls him, tells him, listen, I got this job for you, why don't you come in, we'll make you, we'll, we'll give you the best contract in the game. Brock Lesnar, of course, realizing that he looked nothing like he did when he wrestled 10 years ago, made his return, and everybody complained that he wasn't in ring shape. If I'm sure that Brock Lesnar, over the next 90 days, is going to turn into the big monster that everybody remembers. 
People are sitting there passing judgment. If you don't know what goes into cutting weight and making weight or fighting professionally or anything, keep your fucking mouth shut. When I competed in powerlifting in high school, we had to cut weight. If you compete in high school wrestling, you know what it's like to cut weight. Collegiate wrestling, you know what it's like to cut weight. And then you know what it's like for your body to make that weight back. <sighs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, the, the fickleness of, of fans. Oh, he looked fat. Brock Lesnar, in quote-unquote fat, would probably beat you up in front of your girlfriend, your mother, and your sister. Simple as that. It's, it's a fact. Give the guy some time. He just came back. The guy has like three feet of intestine left. L- leave him be. Stop passing judgment. It's ridiculous. He came out. He whooped John Cena's ass. The crowd went crazy. That's all that matters. Brock Lesnar made Dana White a fuckload of money. And everybody thought that Dana White was going to clown him for going back to wrestling. Dana White on Twitter was like, hey, I'm happy for him. That crowd was awesome. They're saying that Brock Lesnar's contract is $5 million. Five. $5 million for a year. And he only has to appear three times a month. Three times. So think about that. Maybe two Raws and a pay-per-view. Two Raws and a pay-per-view. All the way to WrestleMania. For $5 million. Allegedly. I don't give a fuck if I'm 300 pounds overweight. I'm getting $5 million for not getting punched in the face. For real. That's the crazy part. Brock Lesnar physically, his body can't take the rigors of fighting professionally, cutting weight, dieting. It just it, it, after the what went on with the, with his diverticulitis, he can't do it. So obviously, he's not going to sit home. Not when you're a giant vanilla gorilla. You're going to go and get paid. Fuck that, man. Five million dollars. You want me to go out there and whoop John Cena's ass? Where do I sign? Honestly. People, people kill me, man. Uh, you know, they hug Brock Lesnar's nuts when he's in the UFC. Then when he loses to Overeem, they say he's a bitch. Billy Nichols, Beantown Gamer, I'm looking at you. Um, then the guy gets a solid payday, arrives at Raw 30 seconds before his debut to not sur- ruin the surprise, and people still pass judgment. It's embarrassing. Don't talk shit if you don't know what the fuck goes into it. Simple as that. That's all I got to say. Welcome back, Brock Lesnar. I hope you make a fuckload of money. You deserve it. You got kids and a family, and you're missing like half of your fucking intestine. Get that money. As I said, Brock Lesnar's one-year contract is a guaranteed $5 million with a limited schedule. That's the rumor. As of right now, he's con- he's going to appear twice a month for the next year, plus some pay-per-view dates. Uh, the way it's going to go down probably is, and and this is how it's going to look. And a couple of sites acknowledge this, Raja WWF and uh, 411 Mania. Everybody says that the way they want to build WrestleMania for next year is as follows. The, they want they want to build the Undertaker to face John Cena, which I think would be a good match because John Cena is a guy that hasn't fought the Undertaker, and that's a that would generate money. Steve Austin and CM Punk, it's already coming together. If you're following these guys on Twitter, 
The buildup is there. CM Punk continues to publicly acknowledge that he'd love to wrestle Stone Cold. And of course, a WWE title match with The Rock and Brock Lesnar. Guaranteed money. And here's the best part. Brock Lesnar can get under The Rock's skin by saying, you left this business to go and act. I left this business to go and fight. That The storyline writes itself. And honestly, it'd be a good match. If you guys saw the video I put up with Brock versus Rock from SummerSlam, you know that, the, that there's plenty of chemistry there to make this work. Brock and Rock for the belt would definitely be epic at WrestleMania 29. We'll see how it goes down. The Undertaker and John Cena, I could definitely stomach that match. That would be a cool match to see. And Austin and CM Punk would be bananas. It, w- it would be bananas only because of the excellent promo work that, you know, some pipe bombs, uh, Steve Austin stunners. It, it would be good. And I think that the, if, if you're going to close out your career for Stone Cold Steve Austin, give him a guy like CM Punk that works well, wrestles well, and can cut a good promo. Simple as that. In some, in some new WWE DVD news, they're releasing an ECW unreleased volume one DVD and Blu-ray set called Welcome to the Land of Extreme. They got some really awesome matches there. This is a definite collector's edition. There's a couple of matches I want to talk about that are on that are going to be on this DVD. Number one, Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, ECW World Television Match. Fantastic. Happened uh, July 28th, 1995. If you want to see great wrestling, that's the match to see. Another great one, Dean Malenko, Two Cold Scorpio against Taz and Eddie Guerrero. That was from Heat Wave, July 15, 1995. I watched that match. Another classic. Shane Douglas, Cactus Jack from Cyber Slam, 1996. Another classic. Rob Van Dam and Sabu against the Eliminators was ridiculous. Uh, Perry Saturn, John Cronus. It was a tables and ladder match. And that was from Cyber Slam, 1997. I actually have a DVD of this match, which is barely legal. It was Sabu and Taz and an awesome feud between these two guys and an even better match. And then, of course, they got some some other matches in there that were, you know, the ECW World Television match with Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn, the Shane Douglas and Taz match from Guilty as Charge, the Impact players, which were just incredible, and um, what the hell, and Lance Storm. Against Rob Van Dam and Jerry Lynn. Awesome match also. Mike, The late Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka was a favorite. That was an ECW World Heavyweight Championship match. And um, Rhino versus Sandman from Heat Wave July 16th, 2000 was ridiculous. And Tajiri, Mikey Whipwreck against Kid Cash and Super Crazy against the FBI from Guilty as Charged 2001 is another classic. And of course, Rey Mysterio and Psychosis, which if you've never seen that, they had great matches in WCW, but their ECW matches were insane. Also, if you pick up the Blu-ray, Terry Funk versus Sabu versus versus Shane Douglas, and then Tommy Dreamer versus Jimmy Snuka. Those are classic matches that you get if you pick up the Blu-ray. In some other news, TMZ reported that Randy Orton lost his role in the Marine Homefront. The reason that he lost his role is because real Marines were upset that, you know, he received a bad conduct discharge in 1999 after going AWOL on two separate occasions. 
He also disobeyed orders from a commanding officer, was court-martialed, and served 38 days in a military prison. A former member of Orton's unit, Corporal Mike Vinn, said the following. I'm disgusted that his face and the word Marine are being used next to each other, real or fake, because of the fact that he quit us, his country, and the Marine Corps. Randy in the role of a Marine is a complete disgrace to those that have worn and are wearing that uniform. Of course, WWE released a statement as follows. WWE demonstrated poor judgment in signing Randy Orton for the third installment of the film. Despite Randy's popularity, the fact that he was dishonorably discharged from the United States Marine Corps made it inappropriate for him to be cast in this film. Okay, so let me get this straight. Randy Orton's been with your company how many fucking years? And you decide we're going to put you in a movie called The Marine. But, you know, you quit the Marines twice and you spent 38 days in the brig. But yeah, sure, you can play a Marine. That was poor judgment on their part and it blew up in their face. Did you really think that putting Randy Orton in the role of a Marine was not going to raise some fucking eyebrows? As soon as I posted it on the fan page, Strider, one of our listeners, was like, I don't know about that shit. And he was 100% accurate in his assessment. If the guy abandoned the Marines, got court-martialed, dishonorably discharged, then he has no right to wear that uniform. Besides the fact that Randy Orton playing a Marine, is it, it, it's the equivalent of a sleeping pill. I'm going to get my daughter back. That's what, that's what he does. He takes like 17 minutes between sentences. Fucking jag off. I'm sorry. I know a lot of guys like him because he does, you know, really cool diamond cutters. But he's just a dullard when he gets on the fucking microphone. I'm going to win this match with Kane. It's like, why do you talk so fucking slow and methodical? Get out of here. Stop trying to talk like, like, like you're fucking intelligent. You're a giant jacked up meathead who couldn't cut it in the Marines. Fuck out of here with that shit. In some sad news, I wanted to acknowledge that Kamala will be having his other foot amputated uh, today, as a matter of fact. His son posted it on Facebook. It's a really, really bad, bad situation for Kamala. This is his third amputation in, in recent months. His left foot was amputated in November due to complications from high blood pressure and diabetes. Then the upper part of his leg was removed in December. So he's, he's, he's in real bad shape. They actually have an email if people want to donate or, or help with his medical bills. It's uh, jr at kamalajr.info. It's really fucked up. I've watched Kamala wrestle since I was a kid. Him and Kimchi used to come out. I remember he was scared of Jake the Snake. Um, guy had a legendary career. He never got himself into any crazy trouble. He was a good ambassador for the organization. Shit is fucked up, man. It's it's just unfortunate, and, and it's and it's painful to hear, but hopefully this will be the last news that I report of him getting any limbs cut off, but hopefully things pick up. Last bit of wrestling news, according to TMZ, former WWE star Maven Huffman, who won the first Tough Enough, was arrested on Monday for charges of using multiple doctors to gain prescriptions to controlled substances. Huffman allegedly was using three Florida doctors to obtain prescriptions for oxycodone, hydrocodone, and Percocet, I believe. 
which with an estimated value of a thousand pills. He was released on a $2,000 bond and he faces up to five years in jail if convicted. Maven was in the WWE from 2001 through 2005. And then since leaving wrestling, he did some acting. And I remember seeing him a couple of times on the home shopping network. So really, really terrible uh, series of events for him. I know WWE reached out to um, pay for his rehab, so hopefully he can turn his life around. It's really fucked up. Guy had a promising career as a professional wrestler. He had a really, really heartwarming story at the time for Tough Enough, and uh, it sucks. Now he ends up in jail for, for trying to support his pill habit. It's a terrible way to go. Shit is crazy. But um, that's going to wrap up the wrestling segment for this week. We are going to get right into some video game news with this. a lot longer than I would have thought. All right, first off, Transformers Fall of Cybertron will be available August 28th. Those of you that played War for Cybertron definitely know that it was one of the more solid games based on Transformers in recent memory. I'm super pumped for it, plus you get to play as Grimlock, one of my favorite Transformers, so August 28th is the date you got to look forward to. I know at the end of the month we got Infamous, I mean not Infamous, uh, Prototype 2 coming out, which I know Slick will be picking up and hopefully be reviewing. I too may pick it up at some point, but worst case, I'll play it after Slick does, but proto, um, Prototype is Slick's game, it's his shit, he'll definitely give a great review for it. Mortal Kombat finally getting launched on the, place on the uh, PS Vita, May 1st in North America, May 4th in Europe. It's going to get all the console release extras, including Kratos, Scarlet, Kenshi, Rain, and Freddy Krueger. You're also going to get some Vita-specific content, including touchscreen fatalities and new Challenge Tower missions. In some other Sony news, people that were fans of MAG and SOCOM and Unit 13 are going to be sad to hear that Zipper Interactive has been closed. What that what this means for the futures of Mag, SOCOM, and Unit 13 remains to be seen. I think Mag was one of the more underappreciated Sony titles in recent memory, especially the multiplayer element. So I hope that they can get another studio to pick up the slack. It sucks, but this is how the business goes, folks. Let's talk about everybody's favorite scummy company, EA, which actually received an award uh, for being the worst company in America by the consumerist. First off, they are being sued by retired NFL players due to the fact that in Madden 2009, a.k.a. Roster Update 2009, EA used retired player likenesses without any compensation. As of right now, the players are seeking damages, legal fees, and profits generating uh, profits generated by using their likenesses in these games. So there you have it, folks. EA tried to get under the radar, and they got bit in the ass. NFL players, uh, NFL players are, you know, they're they're really upset, and I can't blame them 
for the simple fact that, like anything else, these guys, after their careers are over, they make more money based on endorsements. It's the same thing with legends that are in WWE games that actually get royalty checks for their likenesses. I think that if those guys can get paid, NFL players need to get paid. EA fucked up on that one. And um, considering they got voted the worst company this year, nothing surprises me. Next up, in some news that I'm sure, um, you know, it's going to make Quark happy. The next downloadable content pack for Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning has been announced. Teeth of Naros will be released April 17th for $10. You're also going to have, um, you're going to have access to the Floating City, 20 side quests, dungeons, new loot, and enemies. You're also going to get new twists of fate to unlock. In addition to that, you're going to have um, the Colossae, which are a race of giants, which you'll be meeting up as well. So for 10 bucks, you're going to add a little bit more value to that game. There you go. I know Quark is going to be super pumped for that. April 17th, $10. In some other news, Skullgirls, which is a fighting game I've been keeping an eye on for the last couple of months, is finally seeing a release date April 11th on Xbox Live. PSN is rumored to get it. Uh, probably April 10th, and it's going to be $14.99 on PSN, 1,200 points on Xbox Live. A couple of months back, we were talking about the Pokemon Nobunaga's Ambition crossover, which was going to be released in Japan. It seems that it will be making its way to North America. Business Wire is reporting that the game will be known as Pokemon Conquest, and you can see that on the DS June 18th. This particular game was developed by Tecmo and Koi, so we're going to see what we can expect from Nobunaga's Ambition and the Pokemon franchise together. In some news that I'm sure is going to make John Blade very happy, Bioware has announced that Mass Effect 3 Extended Cut, a downloadable content pack that will expand on the events at the end of Mass Effect 3, will be available later this summer for free on Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and the PC. So there you have it, folks. You hopefully will get the ending that you all deserve. This summer, all three systems, and it'll be free. Last bit of gaming news to wrap things up. Double Dragon Neon will be released this July for PSN and Xbox 360. It's another remake of Double Dragon that will be getting updated graphics and also getting a new spin on the franchise with some new weapons and some new attacks as well. So there you have it. An- another double dip for Double Dragon this summer on PSN and Xbox 360 Arcade. That's going to wrap up the gaming news for this week. We are going to jump right into the movies. And I find nothing more fitting to take us in this week than this. Come on, let's sing the Thunder song. All right. When, when you, you hear, hear the sound of thunder, thunder, don't you get too scared. Just grab your Thunder buddy and say these magic words. Fuck you, Thunder. You can suck my dick. You can't get me Thunder because you're just God's fight. Ladies and gentlemen, that was from the upcoming film Ted with Mark Wahlberg, Seth MacFarlane, and Mila Kunis. If you haven't seen the Red Band trailer on MyTakeRadio.com, I recommend you go to your kitchen, get a kitchen knife, and slit your wrists. 
Because sing the thunder song. All right. When, when you, you hear, hear the sound of thunder, don't you get too scared. Just grab your thunder buddy and say these magic words. Fuck you, thunder. You can suck my dick. You can't get me thunder because you're just God's fuss. Exactly. If you do not laugh at that at all, you have no soul. Because it is ridiculously funny. Ridiculous. Again, MyTakeRadio.com, Ted, Red Band Trailer, check that shit out. It is fucking hysterical. Who would have thought that a talking teddy bear and Mark Wahlberg from Boston would have been fucking funny? I laughed for at least 20 minutes. And you know me, if a movie is shit and it tries to be funny too much, I shit on it automatically. But the concept is so silly, so stupid, but so funny that... I just have to actually co-sign to this. It, it, I'm sorry, but it's it's silly. Definitely check out the trailer on MyTakeRadio.com. All right, let's get into some of the movie news for this week. First off, our buddies, the Angry Birds, are going beyond games and into the small screen. Nick Dora, head of animation for Rovio, gave a keynote speech, a keynote speech recently that said that they're working on an animated feature film which will be out probably in 2013 or 2014. It'll expand on the mythology of the Angry Birds and give you a little little bit more insight into why they are, quote-unquote, so angry. There you have it, folks. Now, our first bit of what-the-fuck movie news for this week is something that I I really... I want to read this to you guys, and I know that when I finish reading it, some of you are just going to be horrified. It seems that Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger want to do a sequel to Twins. But the best part of it is that they want to have Eddie Murphy play another brother and call it Triplets. I kid you not. If there was any movie that had the complete potential to be a steaming colostomy bag full of AIDS-ridden diarrhea, it would be this movie. It would be this steaming pile of shit. The only thing that can describe how bad this movie is and what the studios even thought of by bringing this to the silver screen is this. You dumb asshole. That's what Arnold Schwarzenegger should be called along with Danny DeVito. And the fact that Eddie Murphy is co-signing to this shit continues to make him. You dumb asshole. Oh, and I'm sure that this will make Slick very happy. This also is apropos for the thought of this movie. Oh my god! Ah! 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 Oh, that's better. Ah! 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 Here you go! Yeah, that's what that shit deserves. I should probably play that Homer screaming clip for the entire duration of me talking about that, but I figured a few times would be enough. Yes, triplets. A black guy, a short guy, and a jacked-up Australian guy are all related. I don't understand how three different motherfuckers are, are triplets. I can imagine what their mom was like. 
but that's a story for another day. Okay. Here's your other bit of what the fuck movie news. It seems that New Line has hired uh, Ryan Engel along with um, a couple of other members of of his creative team to do a film based on Rampage. It's going to be done in an Independence Day style, and pretty much the concept is three humans get mutated into giant monsters, a werewolf, a Godzilla-like creature, and a gorilla, and go on a city-destroying Rampage. Those of you that were... 80s babies like myself probably played Rampage at your local pizzeria. So there you have it, folks. Looks like Hollywood is bringing Rampage to the silver screen. That shit is going to be garbage. Let's talk box office total, shall we? Hunger Games, number one, $61 million. Wrath of the Titans was two. Mirror Mirror was three. 21 Jump Street was four. The Lorax was five. John Carter was six. Salmon fishing in Yemen was number seven. What the fuck is salmon fishing in Yemen? And why does it have more money than Act of Valor? No idea. Eddie Murphy's piece of shit, A Thousand Words, was number nine. Journey to the Mysterious Island was number ten. Now, here's a bit of news that I felt was partially what the fuck movie news Partially, I really didn't find it that terrible, but Variety reported that Ashton Kutcher, a.k.a. Quark, will be playing Steve Jobs in the upcoming Steve Jobs biopic. Joshua Michael Stern, who did Swing Vote, is set to direct. In looking at pictures of Ashton Kutcher and a young Steve Jobs, I could see it working. I think that the guy deserves the opportunity to do a serious role, and maybe this might be the role for him. It might be the breakout role that gets him an Oscar, but... Hey, some people, they're just really, really, really passionate about who is playing Steve Jobs, much like the elitist pieces of shit that are complaining about people that have Android getting Instagram. But that's a rant that I'll probably reserve either for the end of the show or for next week. Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes company is on board to continue the Halloween franchise started by Rob Zombie. Platinum Dunes has already done remakes of A Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, and The Amityville Horror, plus The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They are speaking with Dimension with thoughts of either continuing the series or doing another Halloween reboot. So there you go. Either we're going to get another sequel or a reboot. So either way, just leave it alone. I think Rob Zombie did a great job with Halloween 1 and 2. Just let the series die quietly. I mean, the remakes were solid. The first one being substantially better than the second, but leave it the fuck alone. Seriously. Here's another bit of of bullshit sequel news. Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels will be reprising their roles in a sequel for Dumb and Dumber. Coming soon reports that Peter Farrelly confirmed at a press junket for the Three Stooges film that they will be working on Dumb and Dumber 2 in September. So there you have it. Another useless sequel for a film that many considered to be completely hilarious and not in need of a sequel will be getting one. So there you go. Dumb and, well, Strider said it best. Dumb and Dumber, I think, is the apropos sequel for that. Um, Slick, I know, mentioned that there already was a sequel, but that was more of a prequel. This is going to be a full-on sequel with fucking Harold and Lloyd. So there you have it. Let's talk about another 
shitty ass comedian that continues to rape and pillage Hollywood with his terrible fucking movies. That motherfucker is Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler was funny in Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, you know, movies where he was actually funny. Anything that he's done within the last five years is shit. It is complete garbage. I don't understand how the fuck he can convince some of these fuckheads in Hollywood that his movie should be made. Jack and Jill was probably the worst shit I've ever seen. The worst concept, the worst shit ever. But he's convinced them now to allow him to do a remake of another comedy that I enjoyed when I was younger, and that was Summer School. If you've never seen Summer School, it came out in 1987. Um, Mark Harmon was your main character. He played uh, Freddie Shoup who was a gym teacher that taught uh, remedial English in summer school instead of going on a Hawaiian vacation. It was very funny at the time. Christy Alley was in it, Courtney Thorne Smith, and Rob Reiner, who directed the film as well. Um, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a fucking minute. Hold the phone. Hold on. John Blade says that the Zohan was really funny. You are out of your goddamn mind. The Zohan was funny. Are you fucking crazy? You had an Israeli beautician that used hummus as a weapon. Hummus. Hummus as a weapon. And you thought that was funny. You fucking thought that was funny. John, John Blade, I share blood with you. But that is, I, I can't let that slide. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. Holy shit, was that movie fucking terrible. Oh, God. I can't, I can't even believe I read that. I can't. I can't. <laughs> fucking slick. Yes, you can do it. Yes, because that's all that fucking Rob Schneider can ever do. Hold Adam Sandler's dick while he pees. That's what he does. Seriously. Adam Sandler has not been fucking funny in like five years. That stupid movie with the remote control where Christopher Walken was shit. The one where he read the stories that came to life was shit. Jack and Jill, dog shit. The only one I can kind of tolerate grown-ups was okay. Seriously. Ah, uh, Quark, you too? You thought you thought Click was a good movie? Ah, oh, man. <laughs> Fuck me. All right. A couple of months back, I talked about Hellraiser getting a remake, which looked like complete shit. Obviously, Hollywood decided to go back to the drawing board and is now doing a Hellraiser TV series. Variety is reporting that the franchise will continue on the small screen as of right now. They, had, they don't have a specific network in mind, but they will continue it based off the original source material and the book The Hellbound Heart. If you haven't read The Hellbound Heart, I recommend you do. It is the, the inspiration for Hellraiser. It is a fantastic book. Slightly creepy. Definitely a little demented. Has a little bit of erotica in there if you're into that. But the inspiration for Hellraiser, which is The Hellbound Heart, was fantastic. In some other what-the-fuck reboot news, it seems that Universal Pictures is going back to the drawing board with the Mummy franchise, which I mentioned on our Facebook fan page. It looks like they are going to 
start a brand new trilogy for The Mummy. If you don't know, The Mummy has already had uh, two reboots. Originally, the original Mummy film was released in 1932 with four sequels and one spoof. In 1999, Stephen Sommers remade the film and created the new Mummy trilogy, which gave Brendan Fraser tons of fucking money, and the spinoff trilogy, which was The Scorpion King. So it looks like we're going to reboot all that shit and bring that shit back. I really don't see a necessity to reboot the Mummy series because even the movies with Brendan Fraser, they were fun, but that was because people were looking for shit like Pirates of the Caribbean at the time, you know, that type of family film, and they did well. I don't think that that can thrive now, so unless you go back to the horror roots, which I think would be the best way, you know, going the horror route, that'll work, but coming back with a big grand scale adventure, I don't see that shit working. But that's nothing. Uh, in other reboot news, it seems that Anchor Bay is going to remake Silent Night, Deadly Night, which is another cult classic, which I enjoyed. Uh, Malcolm McDowell is rumored to play the sheriff that is hunting a maniac that dresses like Santa Claus. So we're going to see a new reboot with Silent Night, Deadly Night, which if you have Netflix, you can probably pick that up. Watch the originals, at least the first one, which was really good. The, re- the sequels that followed, most of them were complete shit. But what do you expect? Last two bits of movie news to close things out. The writers for Beavis and Butthead have been hired to write a Woody Woodpecker movie. I kid you not. Woody Woodpecker is coming to the silver screen. Now, the funny thing is that Woody Woodpecker was a staple in my house when I was growing up. It was always funny. Between that and the Chili Willy cartoons, you knew that 2 o'clock, Channel 5, that's where you'd find me, sitting in front of the tube, watching Woody Woodpecker make a complete fucking fool of himself. I think that if done right, it might work. I think, you know, if it's worked already for the Smurfs and Alvin and the Chipmunks, fuck it. Why not? Why not do a Woody Woodpecker film? I think at this point, they fucking taken everything else from our childhood and made, made movies for it. So why not that? Who knows? Maybe I can get used to hearing this once again. There you go. I don't mind. And five bucks, they decide to do Woody Woodpecker as a CGI bird in the real world. Because that's that's the easiest thing to do. We're just going to take an animated woodpecker and put him in the real world. Because that's how original we are, that we can't come up with anything else. Last bit of movie news to close things out. Walt Disney Studios officially announced today that they will be releasing the sequel to Captain America, The First Avenger, April 4th, 2014. According to the press release I read earlier today, the sequel is going to pick up right where the Avengers left off, which will find Captain America being affiliated with S.H.I.E.L.D. and struggle to embrace his role in the modern world. So there you have it, folks. Captain America is going to get a sequel shortly after the Avengers. April 4th, 2014 is your target date. Well... We actually blasted through the show this week. That actually wraps things up. Um, A couple of things before we close out. Once again, I got to thank Erica Dion for her design of My Take Radio 4.0. Blaine from Born Stubborn Radio for his MTR flyer design. Make sure to check out MTR on Stitcher and iTunes. Do us a favor. If you're getting the shows on iTunes, please take a moment, rate the show, write a little review. It helps us move up the rankings gets us more listeners. Hopefully it'll get us on the front page anywhere you go that 
you feel somebody can enjoy the show, please continue to share it. We've been doing really good in terms of getting new fans, um, including some of the students from House of Glory's Wrestling Academy, um, a couple of other listeners, some people I've met in person already that have listened to the show. Really, really great feedback. Let's continue doing it. My goal, 3,000 fans, let's get there. That's a big milestone for us. And we are also getting a lot of traffic on the site, but that's in part not only to me, but also to our great staff, um, including all our new hires, Blade, Quark, DK, Ben, all those guys. They're hitting their stride. You got to bear with them. They got, you know, they need, uh, they need a little polish, but I'll tell you, uh, Quark and Blade, their buried articles, stepping their game up. DK is coming out of the gate with some good stuff. Ben, I know, is working on a review, I believe, for Ninja Gaiden as well. Be on the lookout for that in the new review style. Slick is also working on some stuff. I got some stuff in the pipe as well. So it's going to be a great couple of weeks for MTR. We got Blog World in June, which is going to be huge. So we're going to try and give you the best shit out there. We're not going to kiss any ass. We're not going to try and get freebies for bullshit. We're going to try and do it by the book. Hopefully, um... Maybe E3, you never know. Maybe we'll be there one day. Last but not least, um, fuck it, let's just close things out. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 134 for Thursday, April 5th, 2012. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at mytakeradio. Look for us on Pinterest. Uh, look for My Take Radio there. Follow us on Facebook. Become a fan. You can ask us questions on Formspring, formspring.me forward slash My Take Radio. Add us to your circle on Google+. And last but not least, you can get the MTR app for Android and iOS devices. It's $1.99. You get access to 96K ep- stereo episodes of MTR, plus exclusive content, wallpapers for your mobile devices, and a ton of other stuff. It's $1.99. It's cheaper than an energy drink, cheaper than a cup of coffee. Do yourselves a favor, pick it up. If you want to be a cheap bastard, you can still listen to the show via Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Zoom Marketplace, Blueberry. Uh, You can listen to it through Google Listen also, I believe. And we hopefully will be debuting on the Boxy Network in the next few weeks. Last but not least, those of you that have iPads, be on the lookout for something special at MyTakeRadio.com, where you'll be able to enjoy MTR as a digital magazine. That is the news I wanted to share to close things out. You're going to have MTR, the digital magazine, going live probably this weekend. If you got an iPad or any sort of a tablet, you'll be able to check that out. We're ironing out the details as we speak. And I will keep you guys posted once it's officially live. So yes, MTR Digital Magazine going live. iPad and tablet devices, hopefully this weekend. That's the news to close things out. To our buddies at PAX, Unveil NYC, thanks for the support of MTR. Our buddy Josh Wood, MMA Valor, make sure to check out his show, which I believe is Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Just you can get the details at MMA Valor. Our friends at MMA Gospel, as always, for supporting us. That's it. I'm out of here. I guess it's Good Friday for those of you that are Catholic. For those of you that are Jewish, it's Passover, whatever. Celebrate your holidays. Kill some rabbits. Eat some bad eggs. Whatever the fuck you do, have some ham with your family. I'll catch you guys next week. 
Thanks for listening. Peace. I think the outro music for this week, uh, you know what? I think we're going to go out with, uh, let's go out with Castlemania from ocremix.org.
Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.